Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're excited to be launching uh, this morning our new chapel series this semester, which we're calling Equipped for Every Good Work. Let me remind you of last semester, we, we looked at the theme, Equipped to Stand Firm. And you might remember, I hope you do, that we worked our way through Ephesians 6, looking at the armor of God and the resources God has given us to, to face spiritual warfare. We don't want to forget that theme. We want to continue to encourage one another to stand firm. Let, rem- let me remind you of what we saw in Ephesians 6 Verse 12, Paul said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's the reality of spiritual warfare, and those forces haven't exited the building because we're moving on to a new series, right? But Paul reminds us, Paul instructs us, as we saw last semester, that we ought to take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We looked at some ways which, in which we are equipped to stand firm. And so let's continue to encourage one another to stand firm and to be aware of the reality of spiritual warfare. But this semester, we want to consider the truth that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been equipped not only to stand firm, but also to serve faithfully. Or to use the language of our passage here in 2 Timothy 3, we are equipped for every good work. Now, as you, I'm sure, are aware, there is a lot of confusion about the place of good works in Christianity. Some people who frankly don't really know much about the Bible uh, assume that Christianity is all about doing good works, specifically trying to be a good person, putting in some time, volunteering at charities, so that God will accept you because you've proven to him that you're a good person. That's the function, they think, of good works. And actually, you'll meet a lot of people in Dubuque who have that mindset. Others think that Christianity is is really only about making sure you're saved so that you don't go to hell, and it really has nothing to do with good works. Still others think that that good works and serving and ministry is is for pastors and professionals, not, not lay people, and so average Christians don't need to concern themselves with it. Now, you will recognize that all three of these perspectives are wrong and are contrary to the Bible, and we know that again and again, the New Testament is very clear. It teaches that we are not saved by good works. Paul says in a very familiar passage to us, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. We know that verse well, but 
we should also know the very next verse, verse 10, where Paul adds, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should walk in good works. God created us for good works, prepared them for us to walk in. So we know we are saved by grace through faith, not by our efforts through good works. But of course, the New Testament expectation is that we who have been saved by grace would then walk in good works. Good works would characterize us as believers because it's really God working through us, revealing his character through us. And that as believers, we would actually be zealous for good works. That's an expression Paul uses in Titus. So good works should flow from the lives of those who have been saved by grace. If we've experienced God's grace, we're not the same. Grace changes our outlook and how we want to live. There's a story of a woman who tried to assassinate Queen Elizabeth I in the, in the 16th century. And apparently she, she dressed up as a page or a royal servant, and she hid herself in the queen's dressing room, waiting for the right moment to stab her to death. But she didn't realize that the queen's attendants searched the rooms before her majesty entered, and hidden among the gowns, they found this woman and her knife and brought her before the queen. The woman realized her case was hopeless, and so she threw herself down before the queen, and she pleaded and, and begged the queen to have compassion on her and show grace. And queen Elizabeth looked at her and said, if I show you grace, what promise will you make for the future? And the woman looked up and said, rather boldly, I suppose, Grace that has conditions is no grace at all. And Queen Elizabeth replied, you are right. I pardon you of my grace. Now, it's been said that from that moment, from that moment, Queen Elizabeth had no more faithful and devoted servant in her whole kingdom than that woman who had originally intended to take the queen's life. Well, how much more for us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? We haven't just been pardoned from a death sentence. We've been made alive when we were already dead, according to Ephesians 2. We've been saved. We've been forgiven. We've been granted eternal life. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing imaginable and more. And, of course, it's all by God's grace. It's not by our works, nothing that we've earned, and therefore... We should be the most loyal and devoted servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is true of all believers, all believers, not just official pastors or elders or ministry leaders. In fact, according to Ephesians 4, the elders and teachers help equip the saints, that is, all believers, for the work of ministry. 
That's the expectation that we would all be involved in the work of ministry. In fact, we're taught that every believer, every believer is given a spiritual gift to serve one another in the body of Christ. Now, that's a very brief summary of the biblical perspective on on good works. And throughout the semester in our Monday chapels, more of your faculty will be filling out the picture. But this morning, I want you to notice what our text says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're, We're taking our series theme from verse 17, equipped for every good work. So look again at our passage, beginning in verse 14. Paul says, But as for you, speaking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, in this context, Paul is seeking to encourage Timothy in the midst of some very challenging circumstances and difficult times. You see, there there were unbelievers and false teachers who were trying to undermine the good work that Timothy and other believers were doing specifically in Ephesus. And Paul essentially is saying in in this chapter, don't let them and their opposition discourage you or hinder you from pressing on. Continue in what you have learned and stay rooted in the scriptures which equip us for every good work. That's really the key idea from our passage for us this morning. The scriptures properly used equip us For every good work. Let me say that again. The scriptures properly used equip us for every good work. Now, you're here at Emmaus, and a central part of what you're doing is studying the scriptures. And our text teaches us that that such study is designed to have a major impact on your life, It, it, it doesn't leave you unaffected. It is specifically designed to equip you for every good work. But that raises a question I want us to consider. And that is how. How do the scriptures equip us for every good work? Now that's a, that's a question that we could explore from a number of different angles. We could, there's a lot of ways we could answer that question from the New Testament But I want to stay fairly tethered to our text here in 2 Timothy 3. So let me suggest from this passage three ways the scriptures equip us for every good work. First of all, the scriptures equip us for every good work by making us wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 15. Paul says, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that is the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. One of the functions of the scripture is to reveal our sin. 
The scriptures help us see our need for Jesus Christ and instruct us that he alone can save us and, and tell us about what he has done to save us through the cross and resurrection and what we must do to be saved, that is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the first step, of course. This is This is the foundational work of Scripture in many ways. Apart from salvation, we won't be equipped for every good work. We'll be living for ourselves. We'll be living for our own desires and ambitions and lusts. Look at how people are described in verses 2 through 4 of our text. Verse 2 says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What a description. But we recognize that as an accurate description of people outside of Christ. We recognize that description of us apart from the work, the gracious work of Christ in our lives. And so the scriptures confront us, confront all of that in us and show us the folly and the destructive nature of living in those ways described in verses 2 through 4. The scriptures break through into our darkness and shine the light of the gospel of Christ into our lives in order to make us wise for salvation. See, the gospel radically reorients us. When we trust Christ, we are born again, or we are born of God. We have New spiritual life and the the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That changes our perspective, our outlook, our, our desires, our priorities. You see, when you are saved, something happens within you. And you realize that life actually isn't all about you. And there are new desires placed and awakened within you to please the Lord. We, we begin to see more and more the goodness of God's ways, and, and we want to walk in those ways. We want to do good. We want to serve. We want to be a blessing to others. Do you feel those stirrings in your heart? Do you recognize those stirrings? Now, of course, we still wrestle with the flesh and its selfishness and its self-centered orientation, but the Word and the Spirit through the Word keep calling us back out of our self-centered perspective to God, to His ways, and to the goodness of His ways. And so if we're going to walk in good works, as Ephesians says, and if we're going to be zealous for good works, as Titus says, we must be equipped for good works. And that begins with salvation. That's where it begins. If you have no desire for good works, if there's no desire for serving others, pleasing the Lord, ministering in different ways, doing what is right to please the Lord, if there's nothing like that going on in your your heart and your life, 
then it really starts here. And, and we must ask the question, have you experienced salvation? Have you trusted Christ? You say, well, I'm an Emmaus student. You know, there have been students who've come to Emmaus and realized they've never personally trusted Christ for salvation. And they've actually been saved here. Former faculty member Donnie Patton, who's now with the Lord, he was tragically killed in a car accident. But he would tell us in chapel from this very pulpit, he would say how, how he got saved here as a student in survey of doctrine class. Maybe that's what's missing for you. You've been around Christianity, you're a student here, and you've been around the Bible and church, but really, in reality, it's just a game. You've never truly trusted Christ. You've never dealt with your sin before God. Let me exhort you and encourage you this morning. Don't go on living a life of self-centered futility. That's what it is. Haven't you discovered by now that doesn't satisfy See, God made us for so much more. He, he made us to live for his glory, not to spend our lives trying to maximize our own comfort, but to spend our lives for the good of others and, and for the glory of God. And let me tell you, nothing is more rewarding. Nothing's more challenging, but nothing's more rewarding. It starts, however, by coming to him for salvation. Now, don't put it off. How does, how, how does the scripture equip us for every good work? Number one, step number one, making us wise for salvation. But number two, simply put, by being the word of God. By being the word of God. Verse 16 says all scripture is breathed out by God. Now think about it. Because scripture is the word of God, it's able to perform a vital function in our lives that ultimately equips us for every good work. Because it's the word of God, scripture is the supreme authority in our lives that guides us and shows us how we're to live this life. Now, as you know, this is one of the key passages that describes for us the nature of scripture. Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now, look carefully at what's said here. The point is not that the writers were inspired, although that's true, but Paul says the text itself is God-breathed. B.B. Warfield was a biblical scholar and theologian who died almost exactly a century ago. He died in 1921. And he lived at a time when Scripture was under attack. Now, that's true in in every generation, in one way or another. But in Warfield's day, the attacks were coming from other theologians who rejected the authority of Scripture and claimed it was, it was a flawed human document. But Warfield pushed back. He pushed back. And in a classic essay on the inspiration of scripture, he wrote this of our word translated here in verse 16, breathed out by God. He said this, no term could have been chosen 
which would have more emphatically asserted the divine production of Scripture than that which is here employed. When Paul declares that all Scripture is the product of the divine breath, is God-breathed, he asserts with as much energy as he could employ that Scripture is the product of a specifically divine operation. In other words, this is emphatically the Word of God. And we need it. We need it. We need its authority in the midst of the confusing and crazy times in which we live. And what a gift it is to have the Word of God. And because it's the Word of God, we must submit ourselves to it. We have no right to adjust it to fit cultural trends. In fact, we need it to reprove and correct our thinking about cultural trends. Because it's nothing less than the very word of God. And therefore, it tells us the truth, divinely exhaled truth, God-breathed truth. Now, that's not what we get from the world. The world bombards us with an avalanche of deceptive and destructive ideas. So we've got to go to the Bible to think God's thoughts after him. And in so doing, we are equipped... To live rightly, we are equipped for every good work. How does the scripture equip us for every good work? By making us wise for salvation, by being the word of God, and third, by using it properly, by using it properly, we are equipped for every good work. Look again at what Paul says specifically here in 16 and 17. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable or useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The false teachers that Paul was having Timothy confront in Ephesus were not using the word of God properly. False teachers never do. They were using it to advance their own agenda, to to create quarrels and divisions, to control people, to, to, to get money from people, and to secure their own power. That's a major abuse of Scripture, and it still goes on today. Think of the prosperity preachers. So what's the proper use of Scripture? Well, Paul's argument here is that the Scriptures are profitable or useful for these things, teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. First of all, for teaching. Scriptures are given for our instruction so that we can know God's truth and we can discern and recognize error. They renew our minds so we're able to see through the deception of the world and discern what's right and true. And so, Learning the teachings and doctrines of Scripture is a vital aspect to your work here at Emmaus, and it's a proper use of Scripture. But it's not all. Another proper use of Scripture, Paul says here, is for reproof or for rebuking us and also correcting us. No one much likes to be rebuked or corrected for that matter. 
It's not always a pleasant thing, but we need it. It's a proper function of Scripture because we still sin and we still go wrong, and we need the Scriptures to rebuke us and correct us. And if you're wise, you'll welcome that proper use of Scripture in your life. You won't be fully equipped for good works if you reject that aspect, that work of Scripture. Finally, Paul says, Scripture trains us in righteousness. It it reforms us, it transforms us, it conforms us to the image of Christ. It teaches us how to live in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. And in so doing, these things equip us to live as God has called us to live, to represent him and to walk in good works. Now, what are these good works? My colleagues will unpack some of some of the specifics, but it's, it's exciting, really, the, all kinds of ways, all, all kinds of good works God has prepared for us to walk in, from obeying his instructions and, and moral commands in the body of Christ, um, to serving, to serving wherever is needed, to using our gifts to build one another up, to praying, to witnessing, to giving, to worship, to bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The Scriptures fuel those and many many more. And by using the scriptures properly, we're taught and and rebuked and corrected and trained in righteousness so that we might be equipped for every good work. Now, there's a quick contrast I want you to see. Turn over one page to Titus. Titus chapter 1, and and Paul is describing one of the things elders need to do. Verse 9 He must hold firm the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Also rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. They're misusing the scriptures. And then look at verse 16. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. See the contrast with our passage? When we use the scriptures properly, they equip us for any, every good work. When we go astray and follow our own ways and abuse the scriptures, we disqualify ourselves and we're unfit for any good work. I hope that doesn't describe you. You see, we have an incredible opportunity this semester here at Emmaus to study scripture, to handle it properly, the ways that God has intended for for us to be impacted by it. And as we use it in these ways... We're equipped for every good work to live, to serve, to minister, to have our lives count for God and not merely to waste our lives in pursuing our own selfish interests. So may God help us and give us a a burden to be equipped for every good work and then to walk in those works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the impact it has on our lives. We pray specifically that we would be built up and further equipped for every good work as we give ourselves to your word this semester. And we pray, Father, that you would 
Open our eyes to the good works that you prepared for us to walk in. Help us to know the joy and the blessing it is to follow you and to walk in these ways. Deliver us from a self-centered perspective, we pray. Continue to do your gracious work in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.